Hello, and welcome back to All Rings Considered. This is episode 50. That's a big 5-0. Uh, this is book 5, chapter 7, The Pyre of Denethor. Um, first, just congratulations, Charlie, on yeah. your 50th episode. I worked hard to be here. I want to thank... Everybody here on the crew. My family. I uh, want to thank God. I want to yep. thank um, myself. Yeah, uh, for putting up with that's. I think that's it. My family, probably, God, myself. I don't think anybody else contributed to this. 50 it episodes. seems comprehensive. That seems like it's everybody. I think. Yeah. 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 No, it's been. This has been great, though. And nobody, nobody ever say again that I have commitment issues. Nobody helped me. Nobody. No. <laughs> Did it all on my own. Uh, for a year and a half. Here we are. Here we Not are. even finished with the series, but you know, fifty. But here we are. 50 episodes in. Here we are. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, what, what happened to this chapter, though, Pip? You, you tell well, me. Remind let me. me tell where you. am I? The Pyre of Denethor. Um, yeah. This chapter is you, actually... You, I mean, just so you know, I, I did read it all on my own, and I could do this whole thing on my own, but I kind of want uh-huh. you to have something to do. So. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, so let me check my notes here. Uh, so, The Pyre of Denethor. Uh, this chapter opens up after the Witch King has fled and went to the battle of Pelennor fields, um, leaving Gandalf and Pippin, uh, at the gate, um, of Gondor. And so, uh, Pippin tells Gandalf about Faramir and Gandalf and Pippin rush to, uh, see what is happening and prevent Faramir from being burned alive. Um, we see Baragond, uh, Baragond, uh, guarding the door to this, uh, funeral pyre chamber, um, stopping men that Denethor has ordered to, uh, come in and set the pyrelet. Gandalf comes out and stops them, and he has a conversation with Denethor, uh, and it's revealed that Denethor has been uh, using a palantir, and he has this madness about him that uh, Gandalf says he understands it now uh, because of the use of the palantir. Um, Gandalf uh, leaps onto the pyre and saves Faramir. Um, Denethor sets himself on fire, and Gandalf, Pippin, and Baragond go to the House of Healing uh, when everyone hears uh, the shriek of the Lord of the Nazgul die. And the chapter ends with rain. Bit of a smaller chapter compared to, I think, what we just read. Mm-hmm. Last chapter. But that's okay. Last chapter is probably the pivotal one for the entire book five. So um, you can't really keep doing that. Uh, it, although it, it still leads me to an interesting question which is, uh, like, what's the point of this chapter? And by that, really what I mean to say is, what is the point of the character of Denethor? Because really that's all that happens in this chapter is Denethor. This is Denethor, 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 nonstop, beginning to end. Right. Why is this character in the book? Like, I mean, that, that's what I think about when I read this chapter. What exactly is he doing here? He fulfills in some way a similar function to Saruman, since we now see that he's looked into a palantir just like saruman would be looking to a palantir and has corrupted him in some way so this desire for knowledge has led him astray but saruman already we already had that kind of thematically with saruman so what what is denethor's specific function and i think it just ties back into what i mentioned in previous episodes about denethor as this antithesis to theoden Theoden's what a leader should be, and Denethor is what a leader should not be, and presenting both sides of those coin. And it's not 
really Denethor's looking to Palantir that's really dwelled on in this chapter. It's kind of treated as, as sort of a, a good explanation for why, why he went a little crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's not really dwelled on too much. Instead, what it seems to dwell on is Denethor's whole idea of why why should we fight? And I wrote down here, he, he, had, he had said, battle is vain. Uh, he's not saying that as some kind of anti-war pacifist, though. He's saying that as, oh, if we're going to lose this battle anyway, let's then just... there's no reason. Yeah, like, we just don't have any hope. We're going to definitely lose, so what's the point? So instead of fighting and doing what is right, even in that face of overwhelming odds, Denethor gives up and just says, I'm just going to end it now instead. Uh, the exact opposite thing, Tolkien thinks a ruler should do. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to contrast Denethor with Saruman and and Theoden. With Saruman, it's very uh, Saruman uses Palantir has this power hungry uh, feeling where he's actually turned to evil, um, whereas Denethor is not turned evil in the same way. Like you mentioned, right, yeah. he's he's corrupted, right? But instead of uh, seeing this sort of um, instead of seeing this knowledge as a means to get to an end where he like his definition of winning is different for Saruman where he's saying oh okay I will win at any cost but uh now my idea of winning is him coming out on top whereas Denethor just ends up in this sort of nihilistic sort of uh almost like a (laughs) depression right so he just completely like is in this pit right yeah Denethor doesn't really turn evil right ultimately I think that's he just loses big. all hope. Yeah, that's different. That is different. He yeah. also, I mean, it's it, he really is rejecting like a big theme we've talked about. We, we back when the Council of Elrond, Gandalf mentions the idea that you know we should not despair because despair is for those who know the end beyond all doubt. And Denethor doesn't know the end, but he's just so convinced that he does because he has seen in the Palantir Sauron's forces, and and he's wrong. He's wrong. He's missed like the bigger because he doesn't see. He only sees one side. He only sees Sauron's side. So yeah, well, he sees the ships him. and he thinks that they're. Uh, oh, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. sees the the black sailed ships and he doesn't realize that that's actually Aragorn. Right. Yeah, but so it's, it's a bit so of his it, But it's such a lim- it's such a limited perspective, right? Right. And he's taken that limited perspective and blown it up into, oh, uh, well, this is definitely what's happening. Like I know what's going on, but he has no idea what's going on, and he's just not even aware. Right. He's not even aware that there are things that he doesn't know that he doesn't know. And it said he's just like way too sure about stuff, so that's interesting. Um, other uh, kind of another curious thing about Denethor, the, that character specifically uh, in this chapter, is he rejects. He says in this chapter that he would actually reject Aragorn's claim to the throne. This is interesting. He seems to think it's kind of a questionable claim, so he's telling Gandalf, I, uh, even if this guy shows up. I don't think he is who he says he is. and But this is curious. He says even if he is who he says he is, Isildur's line is essentially invalid. He calls them... He says here, he says, Even were his claim proved to me, still he comes but of the line of Isildur. I will not bow to such, an, to such a one, last of a ragged house, long bereft of lordship and dignity. That's a huge move. <laughs> um... Yeah, Denethor's job is to be the steward. His job is to take care of the throne in the king's absence. Denethor here is saying, if the king were to return and he was legitimate, I still would not actually acknowledge that. I would reject it and say he's not the king. 
he is kind of we did say he wasn't evil but this is kind of bordering on like a coup right right i mean it, yeah yeah uh but it's just curious it's just curious that he would reject the Isildur's line and just say oh they they are a ragged house long bereft of lordship what makes you think that i don't know it's just a very curious bit to me that i'm not sure i have a great explanation for why denethor would think that beyond just i guess general power grabbing right but yeah yeah. Uh, something like a little interesting is that there's um, you can also contrast Denethor with Pippin, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun because you know uh, Denethor is, or Pippin isn't like this mighty character Saruman or uh, or Theoden, but Denethor and Pippin both have experiences with the Palantir, and even calls out in this chapter Pippin has uh, memories of the Palantir. Yeah, uh, and. They just they react to this very differently. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you, you, Denethor um, uses it a lot more. I'll right. bet Pippin did too. It would be similar. Pippin couldn't do as much given his position. Yeah, but yeah, similar kinds of corruption eventually. Um, but yeah, that is it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good contrast there. Cool little dialogue note about Denethor that I like a lot that Tolkien does here. Uh, so we've talked before about moving into Book Five. Tolkien's moving into the sense that this should be like an epic now and he has he's also has the characters being in sort of like a mediterranean setting like an ancient or medieval mediterranean setting which is where a lot of these epics were written uh, in the in real life um and so one thing he has done though to get this kind of flavor and character to the book is he's had gondorians speak more archaic english slightly usually this is done with uh, arranging word order so you see a lot more like subject object verb word orders uh from the gondorians including denethor um and in other ways things like archaic pronouns that we don't use anymore so thou and thee and thy those kinds of things um cool little detail in this chapter when gandalf and denethor talk to each other here and they're fighting this is i mean denethor and gandalf here are very much clearly at odds there's none of that sort of underlying tension that was in their previous discussions and previous chapters where they're sort of dominantly on the same side. Um, here they're openly on odds with each other. They know that. Denethor always calls Gandalf uh, thou or thee. And Gandalf just says to Denethor, he will say you to Denethor. And I like the detail here that on one hand, this is their linguistic difference of Gandalf does speak in the more modern form of the common speech, right? So he would say you to anybody uh denethor would not um necessarily denethor is saying thou though because yeah he is speaking that elevated gondor elevated and archaic gondor uh dialect but in that dialect which tolkien is using archaic early modern english to as like a stand-in for it um by using thou he is using the um familiar form of you so the idea here is in in english itself when we had the word thou thou was the nice familiar form like when you're talking to your buddies or something like people you know but also like people you're kind of maybe talking down to potentially as well Mm -hmm. to to use thou in that to somebody who's really like superior to you or something would be kind of an insult right be disrespectful be rude you know french kind of has something like this today right with tu and vu uh english had it with thou and you um Denethor calling Gandalf thou and thee throughout this then to me is very like it could be seen as just like he's saying they're equals 
but even that's kind of insulting. But I mean, I almost wonder, given his sort of like attitude toward him in this fight, like he almost is kind of intentionally pu- intentionally putting yeah. him down, right? And I could I could definitely see that, especially the way he talks about all these other like how his men are like being corrupted by the wizard, and he wants his son to not be a wizard's pupil. There's just this very sort of derogatory tone to Denethor um, about Gandalf, and I think that thou is pulling that off as well. Um, I think he's insulting him. Uh, that's great i yeah. i didn't notice that at all that's awesome yeah um let's see more denethor stuff um denethor uh has a parallel with gandalf in that his staff breaks so he breaks his own staff uh mm. and falls into fire um but in a very different manner Ooh, nice yeah basically so denethor just parallels everybody but he's just crappy and <laughs> everybody else does these things good ways okay like it yeah, uh, but you know, you mentioned the the battle of, the, of words here between uh, Gandalf and Denethor. I think this chapter may have some of my favorite dialogue in the whole book. For sure. Yeah. It is strong, yeah. Let's see. Uh, you have a classic line, uh, authority is not given to you, steward of Gondor, to order the hour of your death. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked, I was a big fan of the uh, image of Baragond uh, wearing the different armor uh, guarding the door between the uh, men with torches. I mean, it's not subtle, right? He says it uh, almost literally, but he's clad in this. Uh, he's guarding. He's a a guard of Gondor, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the idea of Gondor. Um, and whereas these men seem to be specifically servants of uh, of uh, of Denethor. Mm-hmm. I think um, small thing. But it's worth pointing out about the guards, since you mentioned them. Gandalf blames their fighting with each other. He keeps coming back to this idea that them fighting each other is the work of the enemy, the work of Sauron, mm-hmm. um, which we've seen before. The orcs are always fighting with each other. So Tolkien's big on this idea that that's, you know, um, sort of Sauron's domain, evil's domain. So just a little reminder of that here. Um it's great to have that contrast right after a chapter where it was the battle was a literal battle. Right, so the forces of the mm. enemy being a giant uh, winged, you know, nightmare monster that you kill with a sword, versus um, the forces of the enemy in this chapter being uh, doubt, hopelessness, uh, and yeah. strife. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I don't have too much else about this chapter. Okay. Yeah, I got, I got a couple more things. And got a couple more things. Lay on me. Yes, uh, smallish things, kind of, but uh, worth pointing out. Um, very unusual line. This chapter. Very unusual line. A lot of people picked up on it. Uh, when Gandalf talks about the heathen kings, he says that you actually started quoting it earlier about the mm-hmm. uh, authority is not given to you, Stuart Gondor, to order the hour of your death. And then he goes on, he says, and only the heathen kings under the dom- domination of the dark power did thus, slaying themselves in pride and despair, murdering their kin to ease their own death. Interesting line, unusual. I don't think the word heathen shows up in the book ever again, or before or after. Uh, kind of strange very christian kind of word there uh for what it's worth not really used in other contexts uh so it will be used in christianity probably not so much these days but uh you know it's sort of the early and medieval uh eras of christianity this would be used just to you know anyone who was not christian in some way like you know pagans would have been heathens so interesting word to use here because denethor is saying he wants to commit suicide go out this way 
Gandalf saying, you do not get that authority. You don't get to take your own life. Only the heathen kings did that. Curiously, in uh, actual history, uh, it was, in fact, heathen peoples, so to speak, from the Christian perspective, really just the polytheistic peoples of uh, the Mediterranean, of Northern Europe. I'm sure plenty of other places, but that would have been what Tolkien is drawing on here. Um, Those cultures were okay with suicide and often sort of glorified it. Hmm. In some, in, it you know, in certain contexts, not just do it, just do it, but like it could be seen as like a, a noble thing to do um, if you are in that kind of no-win scenario. So Gandalf here, this line is so interesting and unusual because it's almost like it's not Lord of the Rings world, it's like the real world. But this is a part where Tolkien has infused more of a Christian worldview with the pagan polytheistic worldview. Um and here he kind of is, is like siding with the Christian worldview. This is a Christian element of it, right? That suicide is a bad thing, right. even in these kinds of like moments. You know, I think those are some of my favorite parts of of the Lord of the Rings, where you get this um, you get this feeling after just reading a sentence where it has a word or a phrase, um, uh, like heathen, or um, you were mentioning the different sort of. Uh, uh, word orderings that if you're just reading it for pleasure you you know you might not be thinking oh yes this is you might not know you know so like uh something like thou or you right um mm-hmm. but but you feel it right like you can those yeah. uh you just get these feelings from here and there and it's just uh those those moments are like some of my favorite parts of this book where there's like something irregular uh that really like highlights something um mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. It's one of the things Tolkien is the master of. Right. Right. There's a reason he incorporates all this stuff that nobody really knows, you know, in general, but it's like real stuff, real history, real languages, whatever, because he knows it's going to give you that feeling. You know, and something. I, I just, I, no other author does that, I think, as effectively. Something I, I did have one more thing about this chapter. Uh, something yeah. I liked um, that comes up a lot, actually, um, but uh, sometimes. Tolkien will uh, come out of describing exactly the events that are happening in the present, um, and he will describe the past. But uh, every so often, he'll also describe the future. Um, and then you have a couple of yeah. these out-of-time instances in this chapter where um, Pippin hears the horns of the Rohirrim, uh, and it mentions how, for the rest of his life, he can hearing horns uh, has this effect on him. Um, and then also at the end, uh, describes anyone who forever used the Palantir unless they had a particularly strong will would just see the, you know, Denethor's hands wreathed in fire. I, I just, I wanted to bring that up because I think that's such an interesting uh, choice uh, for narration because yeah. in some ways you can, there's this real danger of it, of saying like, of releasing tension. If you say like, oh, mm-hmm. and then in the end when everyone's fine, like where the world is, you know, you know Pippin survives because he, you know, he, right. he, he for the rest of his life he hears horns, so he must hear horns yeah. again, uh, right? Exactly, um, absolutely. I made a note. I actually had that in my notes. I said spoils things right in the first page. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but I do think there is something about it that kind of wraps the story in a sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's like a story you where the it wraps it in something that mean like a meaning that's. Um, you take the whole story as a piece of content rather than this is just, you're just wanting to know what happens. Right. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of myth. It's, it's a myth, mythological 
mythologizing. I think it is. I was actually about to use that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. Good, yeah. Because it, uh, I was talking with somebody recently that uh, where I had to sort of explain that, oh, I don't really like fantasy uh, stuff. I'm not really a fantasy guy. And I thought, that's really strange, given that you uh, really like Lord of the Rings. And I said, it is. But uh, I kind of made the point that I feel like Lord of the Rings, uh, the way Tolkien writes it, feels a lot more like like a myth. And I think this is one of those elements, right? We've talked about so many others, but one of these elements is this idea that like, look, obviously you know the ending to this myth because you're alive right now, aren't you? Right. I mean, you know, right. clearly, let's say you're reading Beowulf and like, yeah, I guess maybe you don't know if Beowulf's going to die or not. But like in the end, you know, this dragon isn't going to destroy the world because you're around, you know, uh, right. This is kind of the assumption here, right? So it gets to be about more, more specific details, which again, arguably Tolkien's kind of spoiling with like Pippin specifically, right? But I don't know. That's a very different feel. Whereas, like, yeah, if I were reading a song of ice and fire, like, that's. A, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of questions. Like, I don't I can't make any ideas of like where this is gonna go. But because uh, that is like just pure fantasy, uh, I think that's not a myth. But Lord of the Rings is a myth. It's meant to kind of take place here in its own mm. weird way, right? <laughs> um, but it's meant to feel like it takes place here at least, like on Earth, uh, just in like prehistory. So that was chapter seven. Charlie, do you have a favorite line? out of uh, the Pyre of Denethor. Yeah, it actually was that line about Pippin and the uh, horns. So I'll read that again for posterity. Uh, It says, But Pippin rose to his feet as if a great weight had been lifted from him, and he stood listening to the horns, and it seemed to him that they would break his heart with joy. And never in after years could he hear a horn blown in the distance without tears starting in his eyes. I like that so much. Um, yeah. Uh, Second line of the whole chapter, so it was all downhill from there. Uh, <laughs> but you know what's great about that line, though, uh, is that it gives you, like, I see an image of, in my head of more story. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. So my favorite line uh, is when uh, Denethor is uh, having his conversation with Gandalf, um, and the Nathor says, do not take my son for me. Uh, he calls for me. And my favorite line is Gandalf's response, which is, he calls, said Gandalf, but you cannot come to him yet, for he must seek healing out of the threshold of death and maybe find it not, whereas your part is to go out into the battle of your city where maybe death awaits you. Um, and that, uh, I love that sort of parallel uh, construction there where uh uh, he is looking for life and maybe find it not, and then you may, uh, maybe death awaits you. Um, it's great. Yeah. All right. No All doubt. Right. Okay. Um, other things we can talk about this chapter, always plenty more, but we should wrap it up here, uh, especially if we had such a long episode last time. Uh, next episode, we are on Book 5, Chapter 8, The Houses of Healing. We'll see you then.